everyone, and welcome to Revolución, a Hispanic Heritage Month 2022 virtual event. I am your host, Rafael, a.k.a. The Latin Babbler. Our guest today is a Latina body positive creator and advocate who has over 295,000 followers on TikTok and Instagram combined. She promotes self-love, body acceptance. Welcome to the show, La Gorda Feminista, Miriam Lara Mejia. What's up? Eh, 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 La Gorda in the house. Bueno, la gorda feminista. Yeah, <laughs> so, right? Thank you. Thank you for it's inviting okay. me. Yeah. Um, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here and to be part of this Hispanic Heritage lineup, Heritage Month lineup. So. It's crazy, though. We went and we asked like a bunch of people and they were just like, you know what? But I was very interested in talking to you because you have like a very like specific content that I'm highly interested in. Um, but let's first get a little, little bit about you. What was it like growing up Latina? What was your experience? So I grew up in Mexico um, and I identify as a Wisconsin. Maybe there's some Wisconsinans listening, meaning my mom was from Wisconsin and she fell in love with my dad and we grew up in Mexico. But I grew up in a very Wisconsin home in Mexico. So a good mix of things. Um so yeah, you know, it's like I'm, I'm part of the, what people call the 200, right? The 200%, like I'm a hundred percent Mexican. I'm a hundred percent American. Um, and Midwestern specifically. So, uh, moving to the U.S. for college, you know, it was kind of interesting. I kind of didn't understand being the only Latina in spaces. I, I it was just sort of an odd thing to experience. Many people maybe listening have had that. And so I, you know, I really like, you know, hammed it up. I like really represented my culture. I like in my university, I fought against Cinco de Mayo and I was like, okay, we are going to do a big event for Mexican Independence Day. Like if we, if people could not remember that Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day, then we have to do something for Mexican Independence oh, Day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yo, so, we made a whole reel about it. Yes. I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> I understand, you know, I understand, but like, you know, I, I, I just like really have been very, I would say, I know it's like annoying, but to say blessed to have um, grown up when I grew, I grew up in central Mexico. So I, I just feel like very connected to the indigenous community, you know, cause my dad did a lot of activism. So anyways, my Latina is like really connected to kind of social justice. It's part of why I do what I do because um, you know, fat phobia and weight stigma and all these things are this, are the next barrier of a lot of the stigmas that we see in our society. Um, and so like a lot of feminism, clearly I, it's part of my name, right? I grew in a feminist home. My dad was, you know, a Mexican feminist, radical. We believed in justice and, you know, uh, rights for everyone. And so that's kind of like a little bit of my experience. And then, you know, moving to the Bay Area in California, it's a whole other ballgame, right? Like it's, there's a lot more Mexicans there. I often, you know, think of them as like Northern Mexican, right? So different Food. I like never had eaten like brown beans. We always only eat black beans in in Mex in central part of Mexico. Um, so you know, kind of, I feel like I'm learning about Mexican culture of another part of Mexican culture. Right? It's a big country. We often forget because we hear these things like Mexican. You're Mexican. It's like what, what kind of Mexican? Right? Like where are you from? What is what is your bag? What did you eat when you were little? Right? So a little bit of like learning the, you know, what I call Cali Kexicans, right? The, the, the California Mexican. Cali Kexicans. Cali that Kexican. is the first I'm time I've heard that term. <laughs> I'm a Wisconsin, <laughs> but here's Cali Kexican. So, you know, learning a little bit about that being open-minded, like, you know, like there's no one way of being Latina. And I, and I really hold that in my, in my soul. 
So is that so that means that those from Texas are what Texicans? <laughs> yeah, they they do actually call themselves Texicans. They are. I swear, you can look really? it up. I swear. You know, because I think that people want to reflect kind of like their uniqueness, right? There's, of course, yeah. all the Mexicans who the border crossed, right? People who've been in Texas since before it was Texas. I, you know, there's people who like have different identities that we just like don't, you know, we just don't think about because we we often think in this dichotomy. Okay, so por qué el nombre la gorda feminista? Por qué la gorda feminista? Okay, okay. For two reasons. Um, so when we talk about weight stigma, we don't talk about any stigmas in our society as a silo, right? Racism is connected to, you know, sexism is connected to homophobia, like all these connections, right? The intersectionality of our of our identities and of the discriminations that we face. Um, and so it was important for me to talk about fat phobia from and with an understanding, with a background um uh, on feminism. Like, I feel like that's a particular unique movement for that. But I did choose to use Gorda. And this is the reason. So um, in the United States, we've actually had a big, a long history of what's called fat acceptance movement and fat liberation movement. And I know people might be like smiling or laughing about that. But, you know, there people who have fat bodies have been discriminated in this country. And we have a long history about this. I can talk hours about this, right? Um, but when the fat liberation and the fat acceptance movement started in the 60s, um, again, also during the second wave of feminism and during the activism of like, um, you know, disability justice, all these different like body liberation movements were happening at the same time. There was a real conversation about what, why the word fat is so negative. It's just a descriptor, right? It's just tall, thin, short, round, but like fat carries so much. So, um, in now in the, in the liberation movement in Latin America, we're slowly seeing like, okay, we have to take the word gorda because gordita is very common. We hear it's gordita all the time, right? Gordita, gordita. All the time, of, yeah. Like gordita, a term gordita, of endearment, yeah. right? But it, but is it, is it a term of endearment or is it a term of like trying to make you smaller, trying to make you like, uh, gordo's malo, 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 pero gordito, oh, it's okay. That's okay, right? So taking on the name gorda was a little bit of this like, what we're fighting for is not just like, oh, acceptance. No, we're fighting for every, there's all these kinds of bodies in our world. Fat bodies, I know that we don't think about it, but like fat bodies are a normal part of like humanness. They've ex we've existed throughout society. Um, and like reclaiming this word, there's a lot of power because then we can have these conversations around why can't you say the word gorda? You know, like I asked my community like on Instagram and it's like, I cannot tell you that the messages I received, they're like, miedo, odio, este, like, dolor, lágrimas. That word carries all these things. It doesn't make sense. It's just an adjective that describes a type of body. And it is okay to be that type of body. So that's why Gorda Feminista is, is becoming sort of like this way of, in the name, carrying some of these banderas of activism. So now you mentioned, you know, some of the comments you get on Instagram. So you you took your message to like TikTok and social media. When, when did you decide that you wanted to do that? So um, I have been doing body positive activism for like 10 years. Like when I moved to the Bay Area, I would dance in the there's a very famous uh, carnival that happens like a, the San Francisco carnival that's 
made to be like the Brazilian carnival. And I was really good at samba dancing, except that I had a fat body, right? And so every year I'd be like this battle. I'd be like, ay, por qué no te pones fajas? And why don't you do this diet? And why didn't you lose weight? And I'd be like, why can't I dance with my body? Like, right? So for 10 years, I've been doing activism around like, you get to exist in spaces with the body you have. You get to live now. Um, obviously, the pandemic, like many people, I started, you know, there's oh, a, lot, yeah. of, Trust me. a yeah. lot of fat phobia that came out, right, during the pandemic. And a lot of memes, a lot of yeah. joking ways, joking about people. I just like people forget, like when they joke about fat bodies, they're joking about people, real people who have fat bodies, right? And um, yeah. and I was talking to my suegra. My poor suegra always makes the, <laughs> the cut that um, she was talking about, <laughs> right now, right, pobre. She was talking about a person, a, a cousin, um, a niece of hers that was pregnant, six months pregnant. And she said, Ay, se ve muy bien, está re flaca. Meaning like, oh, she looks so good. She's so skinny. And I was thinking, six months pregnant, you should not be celebrating somebody for being skinny with a six months pregnancy, right? Like, this is a moment where the, our bodies have to change and our bodies have to grow, right? But phobia and weight stigma is so pervasive that we were celebrating that. So I was like, you know what? I am going to make a page and I'm going to educate about this and I'm going to reach my suegra. Now, I haven't quite reached my suegra yet. <laughs> Did you tag her? <laughs> uh, I didn't tag her, no. But this is who I want to talk to. I want to talk to, you know, I have a lot of different audiences like you know too, right? But I do want to talk to our our first generation parents, tias, tios, right? The people who like really exercise the most aggressive um, body shaming in our communities, and you know, they, it comes from from their experience, right? Like we talk about fat phobia being intergenerational. This is not something that they just invented; they've experienced it, and their parents experienced it, right? This is a a long process of talking to ourselves, to each other this way. Um, and, you know, often they think they're doing something good, but now that we have the data, Rafael, we have the data, body shaming causes people actually to have bigger bodies. Body shaming causes people to have disordered eating. Body shaming causes people to move their body less. So, you know, the, the like objective of this body shaming, supposedly, que nos dicen, right, isn't having the desired effect. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit of changing that chip. And and that's what really, like, obviously, like, I also think, you know, now if you're doing anything, you cannot be away of the redes. You have to be in the spaces. And so because my community is really, like, 13 to 70, like, I have the whole range, I also want to talk to younger generations, right? Like, I want to be there, and I want to be the person that, like, someone who's feeling bad about their bodies can see my 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 page and be like, and like show her body and show her belly and touch her belly with no, love. No, but I'm saying like, no, but like people, right? Like they feel like they see this, yeah. you know, like I talk about being a gorda and I touch my body with love. Like that is something we don't see. And so, and then having the context of like, let's talk about body shaming in the Latinx community and let's talk about the impact on people's health. Uh, especially Latinx communities where we don't have these conversations around like why this is so bad. This is not cultural. People want to say like, ay, es que así es la tía, así es la abuela. You know, we, like we talked about, you know, before like the apodos, right? Like, oh, la gorda, el gordo, el pelón, el blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. These ways that we like mock people's bodies. It's just not okay. Like I know people want to say like, this is like 
funny and like just like part of the culture. It's not. It's something we can choose to improve in our communities because it is harming people. Okay, so when you're doing these videos, because look, I I do normal videos, just kind of like I'm doing stereotypes and just doing funny videos about things that I've experienced as a kid and so forth. And even then, I get, you know, the type of feedback sometimes that I don't really want to hear. When you're doing your videos, do you get a lot of like negative pushback from the audience or is your audience just because it's such a positive environment that you don't really get that much of the negative aspect of it. I mean, working on social media, you will get hate no matter what you public. You could be the most innocuous thing and you will get hate. I got a lot of hate when I went viral and by viral, I mean, like I have a couple of videos that hit like over 4 million views, right? On TikTok, especially. And um, so when I went viral, that's when you start getting some more that this hate, right? Because you have really broken past your community, right? You want to break past your community because you want to speak more broadly, but then you're more open to a lot of hate. Um, you know, the first time it happened, I definitely had to like close everything down because I was sort of shocked about why, what kind of comments I was getting. And I mean, now in retrospective, I'm like, you know, I got the comments of like, you should die and you're whale and like, all this, like, you know, just the kind of like hate that we now know is very troll. Like no one is adding anything. The kind yeah, of hate. It's the normally kind of hate, from accounts of people who hide every, hide themselves behind some yeah. type of avatar or something like that. Yeah. So the first time it happened, I was sort of like, oh my gosh, why am I getting this? And then I was sort of like, okay, this is kind of a, como like a, a required piece of doing social media and going viral. Um, I actually have started to focus less on like kind of go viral and more really to serve my community. And so, uh, the hate messages have definitely been reduced. And I, my tactic with hate messages, you know, we do get like a lot of people in the medical field. We have a lot of people in the medical field who are pro fat bodies and pro health for all and like all these other things. But there's definitely always people who like are not. And when I get those kinds of comments, it really escalates so quickly to like name calling me or whatever that I'm like, I'm just not going to put my energy there. You know, I'm not yeah, here. It's to, like immediate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, you know, like I'm not here to like either, you know, talk to, I'm not here to put my energy in people who don't want my message, you know? And so that's something that I definitely like when I, when I tell people like who are starting on social media is like, don't waste your energy. Like the, and then the other thing I do is like, I definitely kind of play a little bit with my haters. Like sometimes people will like write this whole diatribe and then, you know, be like, blah, blah, blah. And that. I'll just respond. No. And then they like re get really upset. Right. Because it's like what they want from you is they want to engage you. And I'm sorry, but like, I have a limited amount of energy. I'm here to give this message. My message is all bodies are good. All bodies are valid. We can create systems that promote health that don't focus on weight. And like, I'm not, I'm not the, I didn't invent this. This is a system, a paradigm that's happening everywhere. Harvard, Yale, all the systems. Like I'm not here to convince anybody. Right. Um, and so, and I'm here to give a positive message. So anybody who detracts me from that, I'm like, take it up, take it up with the study that I posted from Harvard. Like I didn't write that. But I highly recommend people like just not engaging you. Writing no is just so funny. Like they get so upset and it's just like, Go somewhere else. Go find your community. They don't like, know how to answer. Them. That's why they they turn around and they see that and they're like, "Wait, what do you mean? No, no, I want." They want rabia, right? They want, right? they want you to be. You, they yeah. want to be mad. 
Like yesterday, one of my fr- one of my friends, you know, like a, a nutritionista in, in Mexico, she's like, "This person is right making these videos about you," and, and I was like, "I'm not gonna watch them." Like, honestly, I just I don't care. <laughs> you know, I they're just not the center of my activism. That's not who I'm. I'm I want to yeah. talk to. So. So now in your blog, um, when you go there, you stay. It, it, there's not a single person who is not fat phobic. We all are. The job is to name and make our fat phobia visible in order to uh, be anti fat phobia. Um, can you get more into that? Yes. I feel like we have to kind of describe for people who are just listening that what is fat phobia. So fat phobia and in Spanish, gordophobia. Um, is what we now describe as a, a conjunto, a group of attitudes, ideas, actions, systems that are based on the idea that fat bodies are inferior. Okay, people with fat bodies are inferior. And how this exp- expenses in many, many ways, right? We have a health system that is constantly attacking us on our fat bodies. We have movies, right? Like every movie, you know, every Disney movie, there is not a single Disney movie whose uh, villain is not fat, right? We have all this media representation, all this, everywhere we go, right? In politics, in jobs. In the United States, 49 states allow, allow jobs to discriminate, to fire you for your body size, right? Like, so we have a lot of things that we're fighting here. But the basic of it is thinking that fat people are inferior. So my... And this is, this is not like a decision. No one sits down and says, fat people are bad. Like we see it everywhere. We're constantly fed this from school, from media, from politics, everywhere. And so in the way that anti-racist work also calls us to say, we are all racist because we all grew up in a racist system, in a paradigm that's built with racism, right? Like we cannot um, kind of come out of it. What we can do with the same with fat phobia and with all the como sesgos, all the stigmas that we have in our society is to work internally to visibilize the places where we have that fat phobia. So yeah, and fat phobia can, you know, we talk about fat phobia in these three different parts, like, um, in our, in, inside of us, like the ways that we think about our fat body and other fat bodies. We talk about interpersonal fat phobia, the way we interact with others. And we talk about institutional fat phobia, meaning, you know, chairs that don't fit fat bodies, uh, meaning, you know, fat bodies cannot be donated to science, meaning, you know, CT scans cannot be made on fat bodies because the machine only fits a certain, you know, like all these things that exclude fat people. Um, and so the work, you know, I feel like sometimes in this activism, we want to be like, I do ya, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm superior. I like already know we're all fat phobic. And so the work is, Recognize where you are fat phobic. Recognize where you can be an interrupter of fat phobia internally, externally. And like, let's like really change the system. The same with racism. Like, I really want to elevate, um, you know, there's like a book called The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. And it really, there's racism and fat phobia are intertwined significantly, right? So we kind of have to always put ourselves doing the work. I guess like, la invitación is this. Like, the invitación is like, we constantly have to do the work. So if you're listening and you're like, I don't know, I don't think the fat people are bad. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know, like we all have this thing. And so we all have to kind of, if you don't talk about it, you can't work it. You can't improve. Yeah. It. And I, we look in the Latino community, it, it's pretty bad. Like we are pretty cruel <laughs> in a lot of the ways 
that we respond to that. What what are some of the conversations um, or strong support avenues that we can use to help with the discussion of body shaming, even in our own household? Because when you come up with the concept of everybody's fat phobic, which means that pretty much subconsciously, we all have this way of thinking, whether we want to accept it or not. How is it that in the Latino community, even when we're making it seem like it's a term of endearment, like you were saying before, ay, que gordita, no, 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 ah, no, tu ta gordita, ta bien. Like, you know, you say it in a way that it makes a person feel comforted, but the underlining term that what you're saying is not very comforting. Yeah. You know, you're basically calling somebody mm. in a very nice way overweight or fat and then just making it seem like it's cute, which is kind of a way of bringing attention to it without the offensiveness to it. Yeah. But it's still I, highly offensive. Well, I I personally believe that like taking the offense out of gorda is a huge piece of this. You know, like um when you I think you're right at pointing out like when people use gordita, their their back end of this is I think that's a bad thing. So I'm calling you Anita, a chiquita, because I think it's a bad thing. And I do believe that part of the work is educating ourselves on like body diversity. Okay. I always invite people to like, okay, look around you, look at your family. You know, there's always people who are skinnier and people who are fatter and people who are taller and browner and lighter, all these things. Right. So body diversity is the only thing that's normal, right? Like we have this tendency to hierarchy, create hierarchies with bodies. That body's good. That body's not good. Right. And in, in, in fact, what it is, is like, we're just all part of this huge diversity. Um, and like, you know, part of the, the normalizing that I do is like, I've always been fat, you know, there are people who, who became fat or became thin and, you know, like there's people who have a lot of change, but like most of us actually have been a certain size for a while in our lives, right? No, like I call it naturalmente gorda. Like if we can agree that people are naturalmente delgadas, right? That are naturally skinny. There's people who are naturally fat. So Talking about body diversity is a huge element of it. I always, you know, one of the first like conversation starters that I use is to help people reflect on the ways that body shaming has impacted them, right? How they grew up with their moms or, you know, the criticisms that they received from their elders and how that made them feel and how that made them, you know, feel and think. And so a little bit of like kind of helping, you know, like it's, it's not, a, it's not like a mom. It's not a magical solution. This is not like you suddenly tell someone about fat phobia and then they're going to be like, I get it, right? Like this is a real paradigm of our system. Like we call it the uh, weight-centered health paradigm. It's massive. Um, but like kind of inviting a little bit of like, what did you feel when your mom constantly berated you about what you ate and constantly berated you about what your body looked like and constantly berated you about your what you were wearing, right? Like, how did that make you feel? And having that kind of be a conversation that allows you to then bring about how you feel and what you experience when someone is constantly criticizing you. Um, another thing I feel like that is this kind of conversation that's like a deeper conversation around food. Um, I think anybody who's listening here, like one of the big things that I received from people is like, you know, my family is the one that feeds me, like, come tamales y sirvete más y come más de esto. At the same oh, time that goodness, it's like, yes. right, like criticizing you for having a bigger body. And so we have to have this conversation. First of all, a bigger conversation that like 
food is an element of our health, but it's not the whole thing. Okay. Like genetics plays a huge role. Other things, stress, how you sleep. There's a lot of things that go into your health. And we've been told that food and exercise are the only things and weight. And that's not true. There's a lot of things that are in our control and out of our control. Um, so having conversations around food is really important. You know, we now know that, for example, people who eat um, more intuitively, meaning like when you're hungry or not hungry, eat more nutritionally. Like let's talk about, let's talk about like nutrition and not weight, right? Let's talk about food in ways that is not this dichotomy, food is good or food is bad. Because it is like, it is a trap. This, this Latino community has this particular thing, yeah? Like such a connection with food. And then like this incredible like violence of constantly body shaming people. Um, and then finally, I mean, I feel like I, the invitation when I said like, we're all fat phobic is do the work you, you go read, you go investigate, you go question, you go follow fat people on social media, you curate your social media. So you see body diversity, because that's the other thing that we have experienced. And anybody who grew up in the 2000s, for example, you know, magazines only had one kind of body. So you, we all thought, oh, we have to be that body. And it turns out like we all are different bodies, right? Like we have different bodies. So really cultivating and curating your spaces uh, to bring body diversity into your conversation. And, you know, I mean, I always, I have this conversation with people about like, what do I do when I encounter something that is phobic in my family? And I always say like, well, if you feel like you can have a conversation and if you feel like you can't, then you have to create a boundary, you know, and have conversations that allow you to separate from people who aren't willing to have this conversation. Like, no, not everybody's going to be willing to say what you're doing feels bad to me. Let's talk about, you know, how we change that. That might not be a conversation for everybody. But some families, I, you know, a lot of my activists in, in Fatphobia, they're like, no, you know, leave families behind. They're never going to get it. And I don't agree with that. I think, you know, our families, more many families who moved here, like they've grown, they've changed, they've evolved. Like, I don't think that is, I don't think that that like that that there's only one way, you know. I feel like families can definitely yeah, I agree learn. With that. But you have to protect yourself, you know. Like if I definitely like my my suegros are very gordophobicos. I try to limit the amount of time I'm with them, even though I share my message with a lot of education. Like you know, I also create a lot of boundaries for myself because um, one piece around phobia is we have to talk about mental health. We have to talk about you know people's well being. We have to talk about eating disorders. You know, I feel like this is one of the things that I want to that I wanted to share was this, um, you know, eating disorders are between addiction, one one and two of the most deadly mental health problems in the US. OK, and eating disorders are very, very common. OK, and so when we have these conversations about body shaming, about food and about movement and only center everything around weight we create environments that promote eating disorders. And I was just doing a conversation with the National Eating Disorders Association that is going to start focusing on Latinx community because they're seeing huge numbers in the Latinx community and almost nobody is getting treatment, right? Because we need these conversations around like culture and family and all these other things. But I want to I want to really, really como cimentar esto. Um, Harvard had this study that said like, um, a child is 242 times more likely to have an eating disorder than to have diabetes. So let's really, really have this conversation on like eating disorders are incredibly harmful. And we have a lot of things that we can influence our home and our spaces to create 
better body image for people versus negative body I, image. I agree because I know me personally, like mm-hmm. um, I'm addicted to food. I mean, I am. I mean, I could. There's probably a warrant out for my arrest for the <laughs> amount of food that I. Ent- I mean, there's there's got there's got to be oh, restaurants no. at a point have my picture in the in, the in the window that are just like if you see this guy, he's. He's gonna come. He's gonna come in. You better turn around and put your food away, because I can eat. And that obviously that's one of the biggest things that I've been kind of trying to handle on my side. And it's hard because obviously we live we live in a time where like food is is given out in a different way than it was when we were growing up. So you know you grow up with your family for the most part. A lot of it was portioned, and now it's out of control. Like you can eat a ton of food for fifteen bucks. And you can go to any fast food. They'll give you a whole giant supersized and, and all kinds. And obviously there's a decision. You called me out on it. You you had mentioned BMI or I mentioned BMI to you because it's like the standard of what science is. And you basically told me it's 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 a concept that is getting a lot of pushback now. Why Why do you say like the BMI is getting the pushback compared to what it was used for before? Well, when we talk about BMI, body mass index, in Spanish is IMSA, Indice de Masa Corporal. Um, you know, we think of these things as established science. And in fact, uh, when you look at BMI, you know, it was started like 200 years ago by a person that wasn't, it wasn't related to health in any way. He was trying to find an average, like what was the average body of European men? Okay. This system was established for European men. That's why in the U.S., when we apply BMI, black women often are have huge BMIs, right? Because they have a different body from the system, but they don't see the same health. Like it's 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 not linear. It's not a it's not a system that predicts health problems. Now, Ansel Keys, who was the one who normalized it in the U.S. in the seventies, eighties, like we're not talking that long ago. Um, he has said, like, this is not a perfect tool, and it's not perfect for this one reason. BMI does not actually predict health problems. We see, um, you know, studies from UCLA, for example, that have shown, like, 50% of the people who are categorized obese in the BMI are metabolically healthy. 30% of the people who are categorized normal are not metabolically healthy. That's a huge percentage of people who are not getting the right health message, right? Um, that people are told you have to lose weight, you have to do these things to lose weight, and often in ways that don't promote their health. Now, let me be clear. Uh, people get very confused here because they're like, what you're saying is that like people shouldn't be doing this. No, I'm saying when we remove the conversation around weight and we focus only activities, like, yes, eat more nutritionally, eat more, uh, add more vegetables to your, to your food. You don't have to necessarily reduce food. You can add more nutritious food and that has a health impact. Move your body more. Not because of weight. I'm telling you, when we remove the weight conversation, we actually get people doing more of these uh, health behaviors, okay? For health, and- yeah. I was just about to say, nothing to do with weight when you take it out of the conversation. It just has to do with pure health. Yes, like and actually, healthy. this is what really riled me up because when we focus on weight, people get discouraged because this is, unfortunately, people are going to get really mad about this, but I have all the studies and I can send them all to you, but... You know, we have um, very, very, very strong data that like dieting, 95% of the people who do diets will gain all the way back, okay? That's like a normal part of our, how our body functions. 75% are going to gain more weight. 
So what's happening in the U.S. actually has been, yeah, like people lose weight and then they gain more and then they lose weight and they gain more, right? And we have this escalation of body weight. When we remove the conversation of restrictive diets, when we talk about, you know, uh, intuitive eating and we talk about movement, we don't, we don't, we don't need to talk about weight. We don't need to change people's weight to help people lead healthier lives. That said, I think it's hugely important in our Latinx community to talk about racism, discrimination, you know, food insecurity, because what people forget to say, they're like, yes, you know, Latinx kids, you know, they have bigger bodies. Okay, let's talk, like, why are we seeing some of these health outcomes? It's not because of body size only, right? There's all these other factors that we are seeing at the same time. In LA, you know, there's been all this activism on like, yes, you tell Latinx kids to move more, but they don't have parks. Where are they going to go move more, right? Like we have some systemic things that we have to change to help people have healthier habits. Um, and so, you know, the BMI, I feel like I invite anybody, literally, if you Google BMI and like what's wrong with BMI, you will see the history of Quotelet, which is the original person that wrote this. You will see like why it doesn't help predict health. And actually having the label obese, overweight, hasn't actually led people to have healthier lives. Okay. So something is wrong with a system that is supposedly tell about health but isn't actually leading to healthier lifestyles. But also I feel like there's a little bit of like really interesting about like why the BMI was started using in the U.S. And it really was about health insurance. They were trying to find, the health insurances were trying to find ways of excluding people from their payment plan. And they used the BMI to do that. Okay. Yeah, it's super. That makes sense. Anyways, yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's why I don't use it the word It probably works overweight. as well as life insurance then. Yeah, life insurance probably gets affected to that to that sense because it's, they consider you a higher risk based on that. Those, but it's a higher risk more. without looking at all the other other things related to it, right? Um, but I, what I was gonna say is like that's why I don't use the word, and a lot of activists don't use the word overweight, obese, um, because those terminologies don't actually they, they like create a problem when in fact what we should be focusing is like how do we help people have healthier lives in these behavioral things that they can actually do weight is not a behavior okay like we we get confused with that but weight is not a behavior and so when we change the behaviors we can have such an impact on health so um, it's really an invitation to move away from a weight-centered health paradigm to a paradigm that focuses on health in general, right? And so it really is as simple as, and so like my doctor in here, you know, in, in Oakland, this is not like, I'm, this is como like pseudoscience, like this is real data, right? We've seen more and more studies about this. And so my doctor, yeah, she's like, you have this, we do not label you your BMI. I do not get weighed when I go to the doctor because those are not, important conversations important is like how much can i move you know how much can i add nutrition Wait, to my food so you don't get you don't get i don't get weight go to the doctor i do not why is that is that your preference or the doctor's preference so it's my preference and now it but but the doctor supports it does that make sense because weight isn't the determinant it's not going to make sense to the majority of people listening to this conversation i can guarantee you that because well, it's like the, the first thing they ask you to do when exactly. you go in there, like you're supposed to go focused, in there, you're supposed to get weighed. Yeah, we have focused everything on weight. And some people who study particularly in the, you know, in the field of this body weight, uh, 
some people question the impact of that. Like, has that actually helped people lead healthier lives? And the truth is, it hasn't. So I don't get weighed. None of my family gets weighed. Um, and like, I received the health, you know, the health treatment. Like, it's not about my weight. It's about like, let's, yeah, do my blood test, do my A1C, do my, do my everything that you want to do to me. And let's talk about that because that is a reflection of my health. The weight is not okay. a reflection of health. So you're saying basically, so for people who like have high blood sugar or, you know, have some type of risk and so forth, the blood test will give you more of that information than it will getting the number for, you know, what your, what your way is at the doctor. Absolutely. And I feel like the shame that people feel when they see those numbers that we have attached so much shame around weight that people often, you know what happens, Rafael? People don't go to the doctor. People don't go to the doctor because they're afraid that the only message that they're going to get is you're fat, lose weight. And if you have diabetes, you want treatment. If you have high blood pressure, you want, you know, yes, not only food and, and drink. How, how can we control your stress? How can we help you sleep more? How can, you know, like these are conversations that are about health. And so when we only focus on weight, people are not actually getting the care that they need. And I, this is the number one thing I get is that people have constantly refused to go to the doctor because we have made everything about weight. I've experienced it and maybe you have, but I don't know. The other day I had vertigo. And like I'm on the phone with my care provider and he's like, yeah, I see from your thing that you're obese. I was like, what does that have to do? Nothing. And my weight has nothing to do with the fact that I have vertigo. But, you know, we are so centered on weight. So if if you're a person listening and you're like, I haven't been to the doctor because I'm afraid that I've gained weight, especially during the pandemic. And I don't want to be I don't want to go through that. Like, here's an invitation. If that is the limitation for you to go to the doctor, ask to either not be weighed or for the person not to tell you the weight. So you can like you can actually get weighed looking the other way. So if that is a limitation for you, because it is for a lot of people, then find ways of removing that limitation so you can go get care. Because it literally is a huge, 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 huge thing for people who have gained weight to like not go get health care. That's crazy. I, I actually never thought about that. I, I do have one last question <laughs> before we turn around and go into like this fun game. So is there an encouragement, like a specific encouragement that you would give to those listening to this interview? And if so, what would it be? My number one message is you are okay as you are. Um, no matter what kind of body you have, no matter what kind of weight you have, no matter what kind of diversity in part, whatever it is you have. Not only are you okay, but you deserve uh, dignity and health and um, everything that's good, okay? So I don't care what body size you have. You are deserving of all the same things that someone with a smaller body size deserves. And that's our fight. That's our fight, like that we get healthcare for all bodies, you know, that we get healthcare for all bodies, that we get movement for all bodies. And then, you know, if you're someone that's living with body shame, because we, many of us are, I really invite you to go and start following people with bigger bodies, with very different bodies than you, because it's going to change you. The moment you realize that we are all different and we all can all have, we, that all bodies are good, all bodies are valid, 
and all bodies deserve to be seen, uh, you will begin that work internally to know that you deserve to exist and to be okay. Very cool. Very cool. Guys, make sure you follow her. If people wanted to follow you, where would they go? Yep, I'm La Gorda Feminista uh, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Pinterest, and I have a website, lagordafeminista.com, um, which want, it will become a place where I want to share more of these studies. People, people want to see the studies. People want to be like, where is this data? So I want to, we have a lot of that in English, so you can always look it up in English, but I want to make sure that people who speak Spanish can get either Spanish language or English language, but like find it through Spanish searches. So um, yeah, I, I, I really want to see you there and always ready to connect. Okay. And you have a podcast that you're coming up with. What's not, the name of that? Not yet. Not yet. I can't announce it yet until it's green. I said, I said coming <laughs> up with, oh, she's, yeah. she's not even giving me a hit. We were trying to get an exclusive, but never mind. <laughs> Well, it's waiting. It's waiting on Spotify. So, Spotify, you haven't given me the green light. Like green light, like give it to me. Um, we're waiting to go to be a Spotify, Spotify original. Spotify. Yeah. Okay. So, Come on, but Spotify. Keep up on my redes. Yeah, keep up on my redes because it's gonna be really, really good. It's gonna be in Spanish, and the idea is, yes, let's make common knowledge. I know. I talk to a lot of people, and they're like, I didn't know that. I want you to be the person that knows it. I want you to know about BMI. I want you to know about health rights. I want to know of all these things. So um, that's the goal of that podcast. Like, let's make common knowledge of the right of fat people to exist and to be happy and healthy. Okay. Well, when you launch it, you better let us know so we can go ahead and push it right off the bat. <laughs> I definitely will. We need to know first. Don't be trying to give it to nobody else. <laughs> Don't turn around. I'll come after you. I'm be paying attention. I'm going to contact Spotify right now and be like, no, don't release it until please, she gives please. me first-hand knowledge. Yeah. All right. She's like, yeah, but what are they waiting on? These people would take way too long to be releasing out. I know. Con like, you know, these, these applications. I don't get it. All right. Let's play a little get to know. So we play this game. It's fast questions. We're going to ask, uh, ask away. We normally ask all of our guests just to turn around and, and kind of give an insight. Here we go. You ready? Yes. Favorite musician? Um, I of course right now into Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny, bad everybody's yeah. into Bad Bunny. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a cliche answer though. We, that, hey, okay, okay. Top of I'm really charts. into the. I'm, I'm really into this French uh, or Belgian guy called Strome. Like he's just really fabulous, and so. Oh, and okay. Yeah. See, that's unique. That's I know, unique. but hey, I feel like you might need to be like, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But look him up. Hey, look, in. I'm into Yanni. I'm here. Yeah, there into we go. Yanni. Yeah. I love yes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So hey, we all have we all have. All right. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Ah, uh, hot coffee. Hot coffee? Yeah. Yeah, you and I, I can't hang. Uh, I could not watch you drink hot coffee in front of me. Well, here in I LA, just... it's so hot over there. <laughs> it's like in the Bay Area, oh, right. this is August and it is cold in the morning. It's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't blame you for hot cafe. I mean, that's that's the way that's the way our family's doing you know? in the house, anyways. Un cafecito yeah. chiquito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. All right, texting or talking? <laughs> texting. Hello. Texting. Yeah, everybody. Everybody <laughs> for the most part. I think, I think. I think it was Alejandro Nones who who preferred talking over texting. I could I could be wrong on that, but he was the only one that I thought. 
actually was interested in talking as opposed to texting. He just found it a lot more personal. It was weird. I, I admire um, people like that. Hey, he wants a he wants a human connection. Now again, I have to go back to the internet. I'm probably wrong, but I think he was the one that was like that. All right, uh, let's see. Favorite dish? Tacos de pollo. Tacos de pollo. That's a good one. Bueno, flautas or I'm a, whatever. I'm a big mofongo type guy, so it's pretty good. All right. So if you had to visit one place in the world, where would it be? I have traveled a lot, but one of my heart, heart places is Korea, South Korea. So I would go back, take my family. Really? Yeah. You, I, you enjoyed the experience there? I, yeah, I worked there for a year and I've been back with my work uh, many times. Um, I actually, it's part of one of the, one of the como things that inspired my work because um, when I when I traveled in Africa, I was very excited to be in places that celebrated my fat body. But when I traveled in East Asia and especially in Korea, when I lived in Korea, I experienced the m- most intense fat phobia, right? Because people have much smaller bodies. And so, you know, people would like, not nah, let me go into a restaurant because they said I was going to break the chairs or like they would stop me in the store and be like, wow. no, you cannot come in. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know, that that really kind of has been one of the things. I think traveling is a good example of like learning that other countries have different ideas about what fat bodies are, yeah. you know, and definitely in different East Africa, you know, yeah, like fat bodies were celebrated. And that is just like, you know, our construction around fat bodies is just a construction. It's a social construction that we can, we can change. Yeah, and we well, can I'm going to have to go to so. East Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course. East Africa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's All always right. interesting. Favorite tea, favorite TV show. TV show. Ah, uh, well right now, of course, like stranger things. I know it's actually stranger cliche. things. That's a good one. That's a good one. Is that considered a TV show though? I mean, oh, is that, okay. that's more like I a, guess we don't have a, we don't have TV, and so we just watch streaming. Does that count anymore? Or okay, no, that's fine. Growing up, did you have one though? Like when yeah. you were watching, or did you not? Because streaming wasn't. I, I don't forever. know. Yeah, sure. But like, I mean, like, do you want me to tell you what novella I was watching when I was like ten? I don't know. That's fine. Um, a novella is good. <clears throat> What's like my favorite, favorite TV show ever? Gosh, that's like, that's a big question, Rafael. Like, that's a big question. There's a lot of shows. It's not supposed to be easy, though. Like, the whole point is the favorite one. Like, (laughs) there's a lot of people who say friends. There's people who say the most undiverse show ever. So, (laughs) but people say it. So you don't, if you don't have one, that's fine. We'll just go with Stranger Things. Yeah, I'm a, like, the same with the music, musician. I feel like some people listening are like me, where like, I enjoy a lot of things, but like, I don't have like yeah. the one thing that I'm going to. You don't to have a, the you know, one thing. Okay, well, that's thing. a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. Stranger Things You're is a, a good one. Stra- hey, Stranger Things is a good one. I think it's, it, I mean, it broke streaming records, so it makes sense. Um you're in the Bay Area. I'm afraid to ask this question. Favorite sports team? Uh, I mean, the I don't know the Warriors. The Warriors. The thing is, the like Warriors? we loved the Warriors when they were in the East Bay, and now they're in San Francisco, and it's like things have changed. You know, I just feel like 
The yeah. Warriors when they when we when like they were in the Oakland. That's like that would say that. Yeah. Okay. I mean that's a good team though. They you know they just won a title. So <laughs> they are you know they I, they do I feel like there's two things that I like about them. I like their sportsmanship and like the way that they they behave as a team. They conduct themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I also really kind of like that there's a couple of like, you know, really pushing against the macho culture of a lot of sports, you know. They are very family yeah. friendly and like they bring their kids and I just kind of love what they represent. So. All right. So if your life was a song, what would it be called? Mm. That's some deep thought right there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like these are the things that you should send someone ahead of time so they can yeah, think about no, it. Because if I can't catch you off guard, I'm not, it doesn't give you the actual like if you um, had these answers really quick, somebody <laughs> would question it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Think about it. I I don't remember now the last name of this artist, but the song is called "I Am Enough," and I've been really into it. This idea of like, uh, especially for women, especially for Latina women, this sort of battle cry of like, I all of this, all of this is enough in this world, and I get to be part of this world. And so, it's, I think her name is like Daphne Willis. But the song, I if you because this is the question, like I only have heard the song. It's a song good, hey, like, it's a good name for a so song. Look it up. I mean, if you're, I like, am enough, and it's, and it, you know, it's talking about like good. you know, really just like being and accepting yourself. That's a good, hey, that's a good one. I that's a that's a really good answer for that actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there, yeah. I'm so being. after after creating all kinds of content, uh, you're a mom, you, you do all kinds of stuff. What do you, what's your go-to drink at the end of the day? Mm, I am definitely a beer girl. Uh, Victoria. You're a beer a girl. Yeah. I need it to be a caguama. Do you know what that is? Uh -huh. Those are like the No, 40s. I'm not a drinker. I don't drink at all. Oh, okay. Okay. So for oh, okay, me, okay. It's like, no, no, I've been Everybody has their thing. Um, so we get a caguama. is like a, like a big bottle of Victoria uh -huh. beer from Mexico. Very, very cold. My husband and I, we split it into half and it's like the most amazing thing. But if I was going to see the second thing is my, is Korean and it's also beer, but you mix it with soju, which is their kind of liquor. And, and together yeah. they're the most amazing thing. You also, you get really drunk kind of amazingly. So with one drink, you know, gotta be, gotta be <laughs> frugal, like budget-friendly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a beer. I like, I'm a beer. I want, you know, something bubbly and, and cold. That's cool. That's different from the norm. A lot of people always say wine or something like that to wind down. So a, a beer. Yeah. It's really cool. All right. It's so last question. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we're not saying you got a six pack of things. So. All right. So we got a, uh, well, if you were granted just one free wish, what would it be? Gosh, those wishes are always a hard question because it's like you never know what you're giving up to get that wish. That's a question. You're right. Um, hey, there's consequences. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would probably say the wish to – oh. Hola, perritos. Um, I would say oh, my dog the, started barking. No. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to wish too. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure you do. Um, I've always thought about phrasing it this way, but like, I want my, I want, I want the capacity to be 
economically successful and also um, be able to be the most loving uh, home. So I want my kid to grow up in a home that is like, you know, stable financially, but there's also like so much space for love because I feel like sometimes it's like one or the other, right? And I know maybe someone's like, that's not one wish. But I basically like, I guess I want a home for my child where he can get all these different things. Oh, that's a very good answer. There you go. Right, look, I'm I'm extremely ecstatic to have had you on the show. This was a really good conversation. Like, um, and we definitely got to turn around and be able to do this more often, I think. So amazing. Thank you for joining us today. No, thank you for inviting me. I know, I know people who listen sometimes can, you know, like this conversation around fat bodies can feel like, is this an attack? Is this like, you know, is it like going against everything I've been taught, you know, but I guess if I can leave you with something is go do your research, go find out, you know, why people criticize the BMI, go find out why people use the word gorda, go, you know, really own up your body. Like it's okay to be gorda. It's okay to be gordo, you know, um, like let's make more room for people to be happy and to be good. Awesome. Guys, thank you for watching this very special interview with Miriam. Part of our Revolución Hispanic Heritage virtual event brought to you by Todo Wafi. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Todo Wafi. Visit the website for the full schedule, www.todowafi.com. 30 days of celebration and representation. You can catch our whole schedule there. I'm Rafael. That's Miriam. And we are out. Desde Nicaragua hasta Costa Rica Con esta canción todo mundo se identifica Llamen a los chilenos y a los cubanos Llamen a Puerto Rico y a los mexicanos Que ya se armó la rumba Desde Panamá hasta Ecuador Vámonos a Perú y luego hasta El Salvador Que se escuche en Brasil y Argentina Yo quiero un grito de mi gente latina Y levantaré mi bandera Estando en mi país o estando allá afuera Porque para mí mira no existen fronteras 